deepfaithwire.com. The world's largest prison has been photographed from space, and you can see it. It's crazy. We'll have the details on that. Today's Wednesday, September 22nd, 2021. I'm Dan Andros. We'll have that top story and more on today's 4 and 3 podcast from CBN's Faithwire. I want to welcome in regular listeners from the CBN News Daily Rundown. We are here every Wednesday, and we're glad to be here. We do four big stories, three things you need to know about them, all from a Christian perspective. And you can subscribe to us on iTunes. We're here Monday through Friday. Would love to have you join us for the ride as we go through the news and journey on this crazy uh, news cycle that seems to be crazier with every passing day. So joining me as always, Trey Goins Phillips from faithwire.com with a look at what's coming up. What's going on, Trey? Hey, Dan. Happy Wednesday. Yes, to, to you everyone. too. Uh, so, well, and to you too, Dan. <laughs> to, to, to you and to everyone who's listening. So uh, coming up on the podcast, we're going to talk about a video that shows uh, Oval Office chaos. That's how reporters were describing it. Uh, when Biden's staff shouted down journalists for asking questions after UK's Prime Minister Boris Johnson answered several from mm-hmm. journalists with his press pool. Uh, and then the truth about uh, that border patrol whipping migrants on horseback, that story has just kind of taken the internet by storm. Yeah. Uh, so we'll break down some of the misconceptions uh, about that and what's actually going on on the ground at the border. Uh, and then a leading dating app is encouraging users to add an I'm pro-choice badge to their profiles <laughs> and pledging to give $1 to Planned Parenthood uh, for every person who does it up to $50,000. Oh, so we'll have the details on that. <laughs> Oh, not surprised that that's the route that that <laughs> dating app is taking um, yeah. for obvious reasons. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll have the details on that. But we're going to start here on story number one with, is it a country or a prison? That's the <laughs> meme that's going viral today about Australia. Here's three things you need to know, starting with number one, the details. Australia's lockdown over COVID has just really gotten out of control. And You got a lot of people on social media now comparing it to how Australia began, which was as a prison colony. Uh, Just some horrifying scenes playing out on on social media. People are posting one recent one. A pregnant Australian mother was handcuffed and hauled away by cops in front of her children. That was because she posted on Facebook about a planned lockdown protest. The charges that she was inciting. Uh, Another video of a mom uh, with her screaming young child as multiple cops surrounded her. She was alone on a street sidewalk and had a protest sign. There was no one near her, but then four or five cops approached and kind of looked like they took her into custody. Another one, a leader of an anti-lockdown group was arrested for, again, incitement. He's been in jail for three weeks. And people are criticizing this, quote, heavy-handed despotism. And many are calling it appalling. I mean, you see things like police helicopters. They're they're going around looking for lockdown violators. Officers firing rubber bullets and tear gas. Uh, James Allen, a professor uh, at a, at one of the universities there in Australia, you know, had some some comments about all of this. He said it's been appalling in Australia, and I say that as a big fan of Australia. He's like, I'm Canadian, but it comes as a real shock to me how people have reacted in Australia. And um, another one, they've got a pastor who's in solitary confinement there. It's Melbourne pastor Paul Furlong. He's been arrested three times and 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 is in solitary, and all because he opened his mm-hmm. church during the lockdowns. And he said the reason he did it was for what 
he believes was a greater law, and that is to obey the word of God. And so I had to choose God's law and not man's law. And so another church in Sydney was raided and fined for holding what authorities called an illegal church service for not scanning people's phones before entering. And so now you have some pastors over there concerned that the government could soon require a vaccine passport before entering church. So that's kind of what's going on there in Australia right now. Mass protests are also brewing. If you search on social media, you will see some big protests going on. Uh, Observation number two, that's led to people asking now all that stuff that we talked about, the details there in story number one. Now is the question, is Australia free? And some are concerned that the loss of freedom has been normalized. Uh, CBN's Dale Hurd had an extended report on this. He talked to Evan Mulholland at Australia's uh, conservative think tank, the Institute of Public Affairs. And he asked him that question. He said, well, it's a good question. It's a question a lot of people across the political spectrum have been asking. And these things don't happen in a vacuum. They happen when the political and cultural elites slowly take away our freedoms and they become normalized. So... Um, you, you know, it's crazy the things that Australians, they also are, are um, turning one another into authorities. And, you know, um, another Australian mother was so desperate to find a way home with her son and needed to cross a state border, but that would violate lockdown restrictions. She was turned into police. And so all of this is happening. And Australia has had only, I mean, I say only, obviously all are horrible, but 1,200 COVID deaths in the entire pandemic. I mean, America's in the hundreds of that. We're, I think, over half a million now. And they've had 1,200. So, you know, you'd think um, that the number would be a lot higher the way they're reacting. Um, But um, that's not the case. And so uh, it's, it's been very, very disturbing to see these freedoms be kind of dangled like a carrot. And basically what Australian leaders have said is that you can have your freedom, but when you're vaccinated. And so um, the reaction to that has been that they're describing giving back our freedoms as some sort of a treat, some sort of a reward, something that can be given back to us all and all of our fundamental freedoms that were stolen from us in the first place. So very, very disturbing stuff going on in Australia. So number three, why does it matter? Well, it, it does seem that, you know, America is, we're not there yet. I mean, we haven't gone that far, but it does seem that we are sort of tinkering with that. Like, you know, that people are sort of throwing out trial balloons um, and we've seen some pushback. Americans are are definitely a little more uh, sensitive on the freedom issue at large, but you have a very, very large portion of the population that are, that are kind of fighting that. And so, I mean, we'll see, we'll see which side wins but, um, you know, if you've ever wondered, you know, Trey, how freedom can be lost, I mean, I think it's one of those things we look at in history, but we just are just so used to freedom here in America that we kind of take it for granted. But I think we're, I think we're seeing it play out in real time, how you can lose it. Yeah. You know, I think it, growing up when we learn about these things, like you learn about, and I'm, I, I want to start at the beginning with a caveat. I'm not saying that this is Nazi Germany, <laughs> right. um, but when we, when we learn about things like Nazi Germany, we learn about the atrocities of, of what happened, but we don't really learn about what led up to it. Yeah. Like that's not something we focus on. We don't focus on the, the chipping away uh, of, of, of freedoms that seem like kind of like benign, uh, that then later end up with with a full you know government takeover right. and you know what happened there, 
So again, I'm I'm not comparing the two, but what I'm but the point I'm making is that I, you know we're we're kind of naive uh, when it comes to understanding uh, how important it is that certain freedoms be protected, uh, because I've seen so many journalists who are kind of you know playing like it seems like the government advocate with a lot of these stories. It's like, well, but if you look at how low their death numbers are, like you have to understand that it's reasonable for them to do this. And I think like at what cost? Like uh, I, I understand that it's good to keep the numbers down, uh, the number of deaths down, but as a human being living in, in a society of other human beings, we have to accept, as particularly if you're one to live in a, a free society, you have to accept that so, I'm going to take on a certain number right. of risks. Yeah. Um, and that's just the, you know, that's just kind of baked into, you know, human existence. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I, that that's where it's concerning to me is that I think that we're a little bit naive as to uh, what is important and what's worth protecting and what is okay to sacrifice in order for safety, because it seems like our priorities have been a bit out of whack uh, and we're seeing the consequences of that in mm. Australia. Yeah. All right. Story number two. So a chaotic scene unfolded Tuesday afternoon in the White House when after a meeting, UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson answered several questions from the press, at least people, you know, British journalists in his press pool, uh, while President Biden's staff shouted continually to keep journalists from asking him anything. <laughs> Uh, so here are three things you need to know. We'll start, number one, with the details. So Johnson, like I said, took questions from two British journalists during the meeting in the Oval Office, uh, which was open to the press. Uh, but when it came time for American reporters to ask questions of Biden, his staff shouted over them to make sure that they couldn't ask Biden anything or if he answered anything, hear his responses. Uh, this clip is going to be kind of confusing because there's a lot going on. Uh, but you'll hear the tail end of an answer from Prime Minister Johnson. Then you'll hear American journalists try to ask Biden Biden a few questions, uh, and you'll hear his staff screaming at them. So here's that clip. Uh, interrupts or uh, unbalances the, the Belfast Good Friday uh, Accord, that's the uh, Belfast Good Friday Agreement. That's, that's the... I have no idea. I <laughs> hope the microphone got it. <laughs> I no. British reporters get questions. So, in case you couldn't quite understand all of that, <laughs> well, it was uh, chaotic. And, yeah, it was it was quite a bit chaotic. So, at the end, one reporter said, uh, "British reporters get questions, and we don't get anything." Uh, and several journalists uh, described the scene, like I said, as as chaotic. Uh, so number two here, CBS News White House correspondent Ed O'Keefe, uh, he was one of the voices you might have heard in and out there. Uh, he said Johnson took three questions uh, before White House aides, quote, shouted down U.S. attempts to ask questions, adding he asked the president about the southern border and we couldn't decipher what he said. Uh, he went on to say that due to the shouting by White House aides, the noise of everyone leaving and the president wearing a mask, we couldn't make out his answer. Uh, one British reporter, the Daily Mirror's political editor, Pippa Crerer, uh, said the shouting from Biden's staff was totally out of order and an unwelcome lack of accountability. And yesterday evening, members of the White House press pool even lodged a formal complaint with Press Secretary Jen Psaki uh, about their treatment in the Oval Office. Uh, so number three, why it matter? Why does it matter? Look, 
say whatever you want to about President Trump. He certainly was more than happy to take many, many, yeah. many questions. Oh, he, he relished uh, from, it. He relished from it. From journalists. Uh, yeah, often to his own detriment, I should add. <laughs> yes. uh, you know, but I can't help but think that this is sort of ironic, uh, Dan, to see the media so upset about this as if it wasn't pretty much expected. Like Biden was neg- gave negli- negligible can't speak right now, uh, <laughs> press availability during his campaign. Like he hardly held any sort of press conferences. And then when, when people would say, well, you're, he's, he's not really available to the press. I'd say, well, he's doing morning show interviews. Like that's not really the same thing as, as holding a press conference. Uh, CNN's Jim Acosta, you might remember said in December that Trump's treatment of the media was a nonstop national emergency. Uh, and you know, so we need, they needed to be really dogged with him, uh, but suggested that journalists go much easier on Biden, uh, after making a name for himself with on-air spats with Trump, uh, Acosta said that he didn't believe the media should quote, uh, be trying to whip up the Biden presidency and turn it into must-see TV. <laughs> uh, so quite a switch there uh, again it's just ironic to see the media so upset about this but you know i want to see the glasses half full so i'm glad that they have filed a complaint uh with saki and you know we'll see where it goes but it is stark to see that johnson was willing to take questions dan and then uh you know in the white house yeah. our reporters were shouted down yeah and even the report and look politics aside any reporters they get frustrated when they don't get to do their job which is for sure. They've got to get a soundbite for that day, you know, and they've got to get a, they've got to ask questions and they've got to get answers and they've got to be able to contribute to the story. Like they, they, they're just making their job difficult by not letting him talk or take even a few questions. So um, it is concerning. And, you know, you watch Biden sitting there and he just looks I mean, he just looks like he's fine with letting the handlers do whatever it is they want to do. Like it feels like he's being kind of led more than he's leading that's 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 the perception i i'm not in there so i don't know what the reality is but that's just the perception that comes across when you watch stuff like this yeah i mean that's definitely the look on his face at least that's the impression that i got it he's kind of just is is sitting there like i I don't know what i'm supposed to do (laughs) next you know just just let me know what i'm supposed to do and i'll do it because i i think if they were if his staff had allowed the questions he would have been more than happy to answer them yeah, uh, yeah, you know he's done that before, uh, where he's—you can tell that he probably was—they didn't want him to take questions, and he stayed back and answered one or two questions. Uh, so I think he probably would have answered them, but uh, it, you know, if it had not been for his staff, right? Yeah, screaming them out of the room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so interesting. So well, uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully we get to see more answers to questions soon yeah. because uh, you know America definitely deserves them. So. All right. Story number three. There is an ugly narrative going around about the Border Patrol and the agents that were on horseback there. And the claim was that they're running around whipping migrants who are trying to cross into the United States. So here's three things you need to know, starting with number one, the details. Video and images shown on all kinds of media outlets and on social media purport to show Border Patrol agents whipping migrants to get across the border but is that the case Uh, the truth is a little bit different than what the main narrative emerging is vice news just to give you an idea of what the narrative is vice news you know tweeted out on on monday uh that border patrol agents are quote whipping haitian migrants at the u.s border but if you actually watch the video 
Uh, there, there is an explanation uh, for it, and they're they're not whips; it's the reins of the horse. But uh, we'll get to that in a minute. The the ACLU of Texas they demanded quote accountability for the inc- the incident, issuing a statement on Tuesday saying that the agents must must be punished uh, if they're found to have been you know behaving or spoken inappropriately towards immigrant. There's a couple clips where they're they're yelling, "Go back! Go back! Go! You know, stay in Mexico," which is it sounds derogatory but it's also very direct to what's actually happening there they're not supposed to be crossing the border so he's telling them to go stay over there um so jen saki reacted to uh, the 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 scenes that have been unfolding on social media here's what she had to say about it we just saw this footage um it's horrible to watch um i, I just have to get more information on it I can't imagine what the scenario is where that would be appropriate. I'm certainly not suggesting that, but we've just seen the footage short earlier this morning. So she can't imagine this scenario. They had just seen the footage. Well, here is the explanation from Art Del Cueto from the Border Patrol. Here's what he said in a statement. He said they weren't whipping anyone. They don't carry whips. They don't get assigned whips. What they do is a training technique that has been shown to make uh, shown to them to make sure that no one takes over their horse. It was to protect the horse, to protect the rider, and to protect the individual that was trying to cause the chaos and knock down that rider from the horse, or essentially the migrants. You got a crowd of migrants there. So uh, so they twirl the reins to protect everything and to make sure everything's done correctly, but nobody's getting whipped. Um, some members of the media are, are uh, sure pushing the narrative that our agency and our administration isn't helping much uh, by not saying something about it. So... <clears throat> that's their response to it. But another uh, to further that explanation about the, the reins, he said if they get too close, the horse can step on people. That could really injure them. Obviously, if you've been around a horse, they're large animals, very strong, uh, particularly their legs. And so the agents have to maintain control of their reins in order to avoid losing control of the horse, which would then cause injuries to the immigrants, the agents, and the horses. So it's a dangerous situation for all involved. I mean, to Monday morning quarterback it, by by just looking at you know a quick image or still shot is uh is really really an unfair way to go and home homeland security secretary alejandro mayorkas he said that the agents have been placed on administrative duties while they're investigating this um but he and other officials also suggested that what many viewers took to be agents using whips was actually again the horse's reins but he said, nevertheless, we'll investigate the facts just to ensure that the situation is as we understand it to be. And if it's anything different, we'll respond accordingly. So he's going under the assumption that they acted appropriately, but they're going to just investigate it just to be sure. So that's sort of the narrative. That's the explanation given from the Border Patrol. Here's observation number two. Texas Democrat Henry Quayler, he corrected a CNN anchor on the whip claim. He said, certainly... We got to make sure that we treat all the immigrants with respect and dignity. And but he said, but I will say this: Border Patrol has had those horse brigades for a while. They've had them for a while. Number one, number two, they don't carry whips and they don't carry lassos. Should those be used, even if it's a rain? The host asked, and he said, well, if there's a problem, it should be investigated. And I think that's it. But we cannot paint the Border Patrol with the same type of paintbrush. What are they supposed to do? Just stand there and let everybody come in? They're supposed to enforce the law. So uh, that was the answer there given to CNN. And um, so number three, why does it matter? I mean, it matters because one, you know, first of all, let's not forget, Trey, that these are people on both sides of the aisle. And and they're pretty much put in a difficult, if not impossible situation 
that, you know, there's almost no way there's going to be a positive outcome of this. So on the one hand, you have Haitians, which is different than the normal circumstance here, right? This is not, you know, um, you know, Mexicans coming. This is not Middle Easterns coming, uh, Middle Easterners, you know, coming uh, that are coming for different reasons, perhaps. But Haitians, they're, they are fleeing just absolute chaos right now with their president being assassinated with the corruption there, with the poverty there, an earthquake. Um, and it's only yeah. gotten worse in this past year. So they're already in bad, dire straits, and it's just gotten worse. So now you have more people coming. And th so you have that human tragedy on the one side of it, these people just trying to get somewhere where there's some security. But then you have the Border Patrol agents, and they are tasked with keeping some sort of semblance of law and order on the border. And they can't just allow everyone to enter. They're not, they're, I mean, they're not greeters at mm -hmm. Walmart. It's not their job to just sit there and say hi and watch everybody come in. Then we'd have a real problem then, because if that were the case, if you think that many people would be coming in, imagine how many would come to the border if they thought they were just going to be able to walk in. So um, so the solution to this problem is just much more complicated than most care to admit. So yeah. so I hate to diminish the situation, the human tragedy with with these kind of fake news narratives. And but also, on the other hand, we can't have a callous heart that ignores the plight of these people that are crossing, particularly the Haitian people. So, uh, you know, the best thing we can do now is pray and and pray and pray and pray some more because there is no obvious answer to this scenario. Yeah. And I just it's, we need to not fall victim to the media portrayal of this kind of stuff on both sides with different issues, yeah. you know, because we have to remember that the, to be in the media, I mean, I say this is obviously we are in the media, but it is a business. Uh, yeah. So there's, you know, there's, there's a necessity uh, to push content that's going to go viral uh, and get a lot of clicks and get visitors to your site. Obviously at CBN and Faithwire, we try to, you know, we want to be as truthful and honest, you know, up right. front because our, our, our goal is, is to glorify God. Like that's, that's our chief mission. Um, but still, you know, in the media landscape, that's just is the reality is you need to get uh, you need to get traffic to your site. And, and I, I, I can't help but think that some of this is just they'll take a snippet of the truth, knowing yeah. that it's going to yeah. go viral and it's going to yeah. get attention. Uh, so you, my point is, is you just have to take what you see with a grain of salt and do some more digging, like read as much content as you can look at multiple sources. Uh, don't trust the first Facebook post or the first tweet that you see, uh, look for interviews with people on the ground. I know that's something CBN tries to do when they can, is they get to the place that, that, you know, whether it's the border or wherever and try to talk to people who are on the ground. Uh, and when it comes to border patrol stuff, Dan, you kind of mentioned, this is just, it's a thankless job like no matter what they do yeah it, they're not going to be like lauded as doing this incredible right. work but i know cbn and other outlets have interviewed people who are on the ground border agents who are on the ground and most of them just seem to be good people who are doing a really difficult job yeah. and they're trying to do the best they can in the midst of a really chaotic situation it's easier to look you know from the from thirty thousand feet down and say this is you know this is wrong and this is right and this is what you should have done you should not have done this but when you're in the midst of it when you're in the bubble of what's going on you yeah. kind of you've got to just act now. Yeah. Um, so anyway, there's a whole lot more than 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 the context that we're often given mm -hmm. uh, in the news going on, and we just need to be prayerful, like you said, Dan, for everybody involved because it's just a it's a desolate situation all around, uh, and the solutions are are not clear cut and obvious. Yeah, absolutely. So, 
All right, story number four. So uh, a leading dating site, OkCupid, is urging its users to adopt an I'm pro-choice badge uh, to their profiles, noting that uh, for every person who adds the emblem, the platform will donate $1 to Planned Parenthood, uh, up to $50,000 they announced this week. Uh, So here are three things you need to know. We'll start, number one, with the details. Uh, So the New York Times described the new pro-abortion identifier as a feature uh, so users can clearly indicate their support for abortion. Uh, The badge, comparable to a virtual bumper sticker, will appear on profiles directly below biographical details such as a name, age, and location, making it immediately visible for anyone who's swiping, the newspaper reported. And OkCupid's parent company, the Dallas-based Match Group, added the option after Texas passed legislation, SB8, prohibiting abortion after a fetal heartbeat is detectable, which usually comes about six weeks into pregnancy uh, before most women even know they're pregnant. Uh, So it's been a controversial bill we've covered at both Faithwire and CBN. Uh, So number two, OkCupid is not uh, really new to suggesting leftist views will increase users' likelihood of attracting partners. Uh, They said that people who who put this badge uh, are are like two times more likely uh, to match with other people uh, and ten times more likely to receive a response uh, if they say that they are uh, pro-abortion. So back in 2009, when online dating was still pretty new on the scene, OkCupid published a blog post with a list of online dating tips Uh, encouraging users to, quote, consider becoming an atheist to receive more responses on the platform. Uh, So, yeah, they stated that mentioning your religion helps you, but paradoxically, it helps you most if you have no religion. Uh, We know that that's going to anger a lot of people, and we are more or less tongue-in-cheek with this advice, but it's what the numbers say. Uh, If you can't bring yourself to deny the deity, consider opening yourself up to a whole wacky bunch of them. Uh, it added, but ideally, you should just disbelieve the whole thing. It can help your life. Uh, and besides, if you if there really is a God, uh, word and first messages always get a reply. Uh, so, like I said, or like they said, they're kind of tongue in cheek, but they're not new to suggesting uh, you know people take these kind of leftist uh, positions in order to get dates. Uh, so number three, why does it matter? Look, as Christians, I think the takeaway here, Dan, is is to remember that the secular world is is going to entice us uh, to sacrifice on mm-hmm. our convictions. Uh, we've got to fight against this sinful urge. I don't want to say it's like the devil made me do a thing. You know, we we have autonomy. We can right, choose right. to engage in this stuff. Uh, so we just need to fight that urge within ourselves to give up ground on things like life. Uh, and uh, obviously whether we believe in God or not, uh, in hopes of finding, you know, relationships. Don't believe the lie that you have to sacrifice standing for what you know is right in order to find love or acceptance. You know, don't take that advice from OkCupid or anybody else because that's not the truth. Uh, And as believers, we need to to stand on that and to to trust God with this kind of stuff rather than an algorithm. Yeah, and man, I I listened to that story, Trey, and, and what I think about is people love their sin. And yeah. I, I honestly think that's probably the number one reason why people refuse to follow God is because they don't want to mm-hmm. give up their sin. And you and you look at that logic and that rationale, and that's what it is. I mean, they want to be able to have sexual, you know, escapades and hookups and not worry about, well, if you get someone pregnant, we can have an abortion. It's okay. We're all we're all the most attractive that way. I mean, that's that's just yeah. what people are are pursuing and they don't want to give that up. And so, yeah, um, that, that's sort of what I think about when I see that. Just these people just, well, they're, they'd rather pursue their sin than pursue God. 
So, and you know, over time it becomes habitual. Obviously, you know, sin is enticing, and and once we establish that as our normal, it's what's comfortable. Uh, so when we're feeling stress or anxiety or worry or loneliness or whatever, uh, we end up running to that sin, and that mm-hmm. sin becomes our idol. Like that becomes our god, uh, rather than capital G God, the real right. you know Lord and Savior. Um, so. You know, we just need to, and I'm saying this to myself just yeah. as much as I'm saying to anybody who's listening, we need to push back against that 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 pull to go back to the comfortable sin uh, for comfort and instead, you know, run to the foot of the cross for that comfort. Yeah, amen to that. All right, hey, that's all the time we have for this episode, the 4 and 3 podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts from. And as always, head on over to faithwire.com, cbnnews.com for more news from a Christian perspective. We will be back here tomorrow uh, with more. We hope you enjoy the rest of your Wednesday. Uh, It is fall now, Trey. We are officially (laughs) officially in fall. So God bless. We'll see you back here tomorrow.